Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. I know in my life, I go through seasons, seasons that um, are upsetting, because I realize there are things that are going on in my life that shouldn't be going on. There's a time where I feel like I have no strength. I have no like, desire to fulfill God's plan for my life. I have no desire to do the work that he has set before me. And I began to pray and seek the Lord's face. And I know that I'm, even though I'm an elder in the church, everybody experiences somewhat of this in their lives, where you just feel like you're weak, almost like you're anemic, that you feel like you have no strength to do anything. But God has a plan, and today I think he's going to speak to us about certain things that happen in our lives and why we feel the way we do. You know, um, I feel that God works with you where he plants you, wherever it is, if you're a housewife, if you're a paramedic or a teacher or whatever you are, God uses those experiences to use those things to change who you are. He works in your life. He is probably the one who gave you that job. He is the one who made you a mom, and yet he uses those specific times to change who we are into his image. That is his goal. So today, of course, I'm going to speak about me and what happened in my life and how I got to be where I am in the Lord Jesus Christ. When I was a paramedic, we, uh, we would go on calls, and these calls that you'd go on were the person would have this chief complaint of generalized weakness. So we'd go in the house and check out. We'd try to figure out and decipher what's causing this weakness in this person. we put them on the cardiac monitor, make sure it's nothing cardiac-related. Then we check their blood sugar to make sure that maybe it's some diabetic thing, their sugar might be off. And then we even do the Cincinnati stroke scale, seeing if they're having a stroke. What's causing this to happen? But sometimes just being there is not enough. There's something that we can't figure out what's going on, what's causing this. So we take them to the hospital where they're going to do further tests. And when they do these further tests, one of the tests is a blood test. This blood holds the secret sometimes of why these people are the way they are. So, you know, they take this blood test, and as they take the blood test, we're writing our report, getting done with the the call, and the doc comes out and he says, you're not going to believe this. This guy has carbon monoxide poisoning. And the thing is, is we never knew it. But we knew that when we took him out of the house and put him in the ambulance... He began to get better on the way to the hospital. We took him out of the environment. So here we are. We find out that he has carbon monoxide poisoning. Ready for biology? This is Steve's biology 101. Our blood, our red blood cells, has a protein on it called hemoglobin. And hemoglobin is this protein that enables it to hold on to oxygen and take oxygenated blood and deliver to every cell in the body. That's how we live. From the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, you need oxygenated blood to carry this and give life to the body. Because without it, if we were to leave that person in the house, he would not wake up. But here's the thing about carbon monoxide. 
This carbon monoxide has a 210 times the affinity for hemoglobin than oxygen. So what happens is this. Instead of carrying oxygen, now this hemoglobin is flooded with carbon monoxide. It covers every part of that, that hemoglobin. There's no place for the oxygen to be seated in to bring life to the body. Now this hemoglobin is now called carboxyhemoglobin. That's a big word even for me. But this carboxyhemoglobin is a toxin. It is being transported to all the body, and the body begins to die because there's no longer oxygen but a toxin that has entered into the body, unbeknownst to those people. You see, carbon monoxide, you can't see it, you can't smell it, and you can't taste it. It's probably a gas leak in their house, maybe the fireplace or a stove. So it brings me to this question today. What is stealing the spot in your life where Christ needs to be? What are the things that are getting in the way that's stealing that spot on that spiritual hemoglobin, let's say, where Christ should be, and yet other things are filling in that spot? Or what toxins are you taking into your life that is now damaging your spiritual life? And that's what I want to talk about today. Little foxes. Kind of cute. But I'm going to tell you something about it. It's not something cute that I made up. It is mentioned nine times in the Bible. And every time a fox is mentioned, there's something negative that this fox is doing. And I'm going to talk about a couple of scriptures, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament when it comes to foxes. This first part that I want to speak about is in the Song of Solomon. And the Song of Solomon speaks about two lovers meeting in a vineyard. They're about to, they're in this vineyard, and they love to be together in this vineyard. It is their quiet place, in other words, where they meet on a regular basis. And she loves the lover, which we will say is the Lord Jesus Christ, and that betrothed wife is the church. She loves him, and he loves her. And the thing is, is that when they get together, they share their, their lives together. And this this. The lover, this man, this the Lord Jesus Christ is just inputting life into her as she's staying there. And she so desires to be there. Even in Isaiah, I want to read something out of Isaiah. I wasn't going to read it, but I'm going to read it. Because I can. In Isaiah, in the fifth chapter, let me just say one thing. It talks about a vineyard here. Let me sing now for my well-beloved. The song of my well-beloved concerning his vineyard. You know, the vineyard is mentioned 24 times in the New Testament and many times in the Old. He says, my well-beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He dug it all around so that it would be irrigated. He removed all the stones. And listen to this next line. Then he planted in it a choice vine. A choice vine. That is who the Lord Jesus is. He's that choice vine. And he built a tower so we can watch over it. And then he built a vat for wine. Because in God's eyes, that is the end result. 
In the New Testament, in John's Gospel, it says this. I am the vine, you are the branches, and my Father is the vine dresser. It is so important that he mentions these things, knowing that he's that choicest vine, and yet we get grafted into this vine that we would produce fruit. And the Father is the vine dresser who does the pruning in our lives. It's a special place for the Lord and his church. He loves the vineyard. While with her lover, she sees things that she's never seen about, about him before. She loves just spending time with him. That is the clue today for getting rid of some of these things that we will talk, we'll talk about in, right after I get done with this part. But it's so important that you and I have fellowship with him. Meet with him on a regular basis because in those times, you begin to see him for who he really is. She doesn't want anything to stand in the way to disrupt this relationship that she has with her lover, the Lord Jesus Christ. At this time, I'm going to read the scripture, but at this time, listen, the vineyard has blossoms, and the blossoms, the fragrance of the blossoms flood the vineyard, and that smell is just beautiful because the Lord loves it and she loves it because she knows what the outcome will be, what these blossoms are. I'm going to read here. We'll get rid of this little fox because that's the end result. She says to him, because she's so in love with him and they love the relation, she says, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that are ruining the vineyards while the vineyards are in blossom." She says, catch the foxes for us. Not the foxes, but the little foxes. Know what a fox is? He's cunning and he's sly. Know what the definition for cunning is? A skill in achieving one's end by deceit. And sly, he's deceitful. And he has a deceitful nature to sneak in and steal. Do you remind you of anybody in the Bible? That is the devil. That is his plan. And he has little foxes that he sends out to do his dirty work. She says, catch the little foxes for us. See, she sees that the vineyard is hers too. It's not just his, but it's hers. And they love being together. So he says, just catch these foxes for us and catch them now. They're ruining the vineyard while they're in blossom. Why is this so important to the Lord and his church? You see, the only reason why anybody plants a vineyard it's not for the bush. It's unattractive. The bush is when you look at it, it's, it's a vine. It's not really that good. It speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says that he grew up before him like a tender shoot, but he had no stately form or majesty that you would be attracted to him. But in that vine is the life. It has nothing to do with the look. It has all to do with who he is. The Lord Jesus Christ is his choice vine, and he wants to push out into the branches his life, into us. 
It's not because of the blossom or the fragrance of the blossom. It is for one reason. It is for the fruit. God wants fruit in our lives. And these foxes are a hindrance to that very thing because if they chew on the vine, on the tender shoots long enough, the blossoms will fall off and there'll be no fruit. Back in John 15, it says this, Abide in me, and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. It says, with this, my Father is glorified that you produce much fruit. God is glorified when we are producing fruit and doing what he wants us to do. This fruit that we are producing is not for us to partake in. It is for the people that we come in contact with, the people who we walk with or talk with, our job. These fruit are hanging on our vine, and people pull off, and they taste and see that the Lord is good, and it changes their lives. When you produce much fruit, you know what it says? You prove to be his disciple. That's the proof of abiding in him, is you have fruit in your life, and people notice it. Here's the two questions. What are these little foxes? These cute little animals, what are they? And do you have foxes in your life? Know what the little foxes are? Little sins. Sins that we hold on to in our lives. You know what, though? They're usually done and they're hidden. Just like carbon monoxide, you can't see it. Other people who you walk around and live amongst, they don't see these little sins in your life because you're doing them in secret. They are toxic. To our spiritual life. But not only to our lives, but the lives around us. Even though people do not know of these hidden sins in your life, it affects the people that we live around. Our marriages are affected by it. Our home life, our children, our jobs, the people we come in contact with, there's a hindrance, there's a, a crutch that keeps us from being who we are. These little sins. We tend to believe that they're little and they have little consequences. You know what Hudson Taylor says? Little foxes ruin our relationship with the Lord. They may be small, but their mischief is great. How numerous these little foxes are. For me, I find in my own life that some of these little sins I've had for quite a while. You know why? because I've grown up comfortable with them. I like them. I'm not trying to be sacrilegious, but there are sins that are, are good. I, I like it. It's not good, but I like it, and I don't want to get rid of it because I would say, how am I going to live my life? I've been living it this long with these things that I've been growing comfortable with. Now I'm supposed to get rid of them? How, how am I going to live my life? We can't be comfortable with them. And we'll talk about it in some Old Testament scriptures in a minute. But what are these little sins? It's little compromises with the world. There's also lust. Lust is mentioned 56 times in the Bible. It doesn't just, we always think sometimes that lust is men's disease, men's sin. 
It isn't. Women and men suffer from lust. That is that little fox that may be keeping you from being the one you need to be, who God wants you to be. There's deceitfulness. I had a, a guy when I was in the fire department, <clears throat> there was a lieutenant's position that was coming up that I put in for. And I just got done with fire school, and one of the prereqs were that I had to become a firefighter in order for I was going to get advanced to a lieutenant. And I wanted this position really bad. And I studied and did all this work. Well, there was another guy in the department who didn't have his fire certificate. And he decided to talk to one of the fire lieutenants to tell the chief that he's been training him to become this firefighter, to have his, his status uplifted so he can get that position. And he was a believer. He was deceiving someone in order to get that position. At first, man, I was livid. I, I didn't like that whole position. And I'm thinking to myself, he's a Christian. How does he let this happen? Why is he doing that? That little sin. But you know what? God knows the heart. He didn't get the position because of deceit. God so wants these little foxes caught. Pornography. Pornography is a terrible thing that's been happening even in the church. It keeps you from really embracing who you are as, as a Christian. Because pornography, because we are visual people, will lead to other things. We know that to be for sure. These so-called little things are not little things in the eyes of the Lord. For these very things He shed His blood, even the little sins that we commit. What is the command of the Lord concerning these foxes? We're going to read out of a scripture in a minute, but I want to set the stage. The children of Israel are ready to walk into the promised land. They're right in the, in the valley of Moab, and their God is going to speak to them. But because of where they were, they lived in Egypt all that time. You know, in the beginning, you know, we, we always hear about how, how there were slaves and all that. But in the beginning, when Joseph was there, they were enjoying the fruitfulness of Egypt. But yet they lived amongst people who were sexually immoral. They had foreign gods and they were doing things that weren't right. And now when they've been brought out into the wilderness for 40 years, it kind of cleansed their mind. They're not dwelling on those things of Egypt anymore. But God in his wisdom says he's got to talk to them. So we're going to read some scripture here. Then the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan opposite Jericho, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you cross the water into the land of Jordan, you shall drive out the inhabitants of the land before you and destroy all their idolatrous sculptures, destroy all their cast metal images, and eliminate all their high places. And you shall take possession of the land and live in it, for I have given in the land for you to possess. He uses this word, drive out. When they went across the river and gone into the promised land, it wasn't a knock on the door. Hey, guys, we belong to Jehovah, and I know you built all these homes, and these are your crops, and these are your, 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 um, your animals that you have. They're ours now, so we're going to give you about a half an hour, and then we're coming in, okay? I hope we don't disturb you. It ain't that. 
It's a battle. When we need to bring these sins to the surface, they need to be pushed out, driven out. This driving has something to do with forcefulness. God desires us to have this done. They need to be driven out. But do you notice that it's not just the people? He said this, the pitchers, the figured stones, their false gods, all these things, they all need to go. Remember I said that we were visual? You cannot leave them in your houses once you drive them out as a sign of antiquity and say, this is what we came from, these are what these people did, but we don't do it, but we wanted to hang them up in our walls to show you where we came from. That is a big mistake because those very things will turn you around. They will make you like them. That's why God is in his wisdom says, they need to go also. All those things need to go, not just the people, but everything that belonged to them. Once that happens, God says, brings in the, the promise. You will take possession of the land which I have given you. He promised, this is his promise. He gives them this land that they didn't even work for, live in houses that they never built, Enjoy the crops and the, the animals there. Everything is theirs to enjoy if you do these things. Drive them out and get rid of those things. Here's the warning. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from you, they will become that those whom you let remain of them will be like thorns in your eyes and pricks in your side, and they will trouble you in the land which you live. You see what will happen if you let them live, if you let these little foxes stay in your life, they're going to skew your vision. They're going to take away the sight of you seeing the Lord for who he is. There will be thorns in your side. There will be an irritant to us when we walk this walk. And they will be trouble in the land which you live. If you want to live in the life that Christ has for you, if you do not do these things, you will not live a peaceful life. It's a battle to get rid of them, but it will be a struggle if you let them stay. We must fight to destroy this, to get this done. Listen to what the Lord Jesus is doing here in Luke. You see, the Lord is out about in the town delivering people from demonic possession, doing all the things that he's curing people of their diseases and all these things that he is doing, wonderful things. And then comes these couple of Pharisees that come to him. Some of the Pharisees were beginning to side with him, and they come and they say this to him. At that very time, some Pharisees approached, saying to him, Go away and leave this place because Herod wants to kill you. I love this line. This is, this is the powerful Lord Jesus. And he said to them, go and tell that fox. Behold, I am casting out demons and performing signs, healings today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. He would not allow that fox to interfere with what he was chosen to do by his father. He is here healing and doing all these great things. He says, tell that fox, you ain't going to stop me from doing it until I reach my goal. He wasn't going to be deterred. He wasn't going to be distracted. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. There is work to be done. We are created for this. And God has already set aside works for us as individuals and as a church that we would walk in these things, do the things that he'd have have us to do. These little sins have consequences. Sorry for all the scriptures, but I'm trying to get a point here. Listen to what it says here in Isaiah. Behold, the Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save, nor is the ear dull, so dull that it cannot hear. But your wrongdoings, meaning your sins, have caused a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you that he does not hear. When we let these things remain in our lives, your sins hide him from us. His sins, these sins that are just this wall of separation between you and your God, and you're wondering, why don't I have strength? Why can't I do what I want, need to do? Like Paul says, the things I want to do, I can't do. All these things that come into play. Are we holding on to things that need to go? This is what Charles Spurgeon says. Let us hear and fear. If we do not drive out sin... Sin will drive you out. If we be not the death of our lusts, our lusts will be the death of our soul. I know that's a hard word to hear, but those very things will rob you of where Christ wants you to be. But here's the good news. It is the Lord. He goes before us, and he will catch the foxes. Remember what it said in there. Catch for us the foxes. It is all God's work, but he's asking for us to side with him, to do the very thing he wants us to do. Remember that God goes before us. In, in the Old Testament, he says, I will send hornets. Man, I hate bees. They're hornets. I get stung. I hate it. But God sends hornets out, and it drives out the people of the land before them, and they go in there and they partake of what God has done for them. That's what God wants to do here with us. That is the good news. Here's another thing from Charles Spurgeon. And you may think that is, this is a little bit hard, but listen. We know of no cure for the love of evil in a Christian. Do you hear that? There's no cure for the love of evil in a Christian like daily communion with him. Be often with him, and it will be impossible for it to be at peace with sin in your life. When you come into his presence and you spend time with him, you won't feel comfortable letting these sins remain, these little foxes. In Second Chronicles, in the 16th chapter, you know what it says? The eyes of the Lord move to and fro around all the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. The Lord looks for those whose heart is completely his. That word strongly support says that it's his strength that will come in and do the very thing that he's asking us to do. We are unable to do this in our own strength. I can't remember a time where I said in my mind, pull up my bootstraps and tighten my belt and say, I'm not going to do that again, and the very next day I'm doing it. Because it's not in our strength to do it. 
we are incapable. You know, for these past week, Pete has been speaking to us about this matter of the heart. It's not the actions, but what's in the heart that determines where we're moving. It's a heart issue. Is our heart completely his? Is it divided due to the fleshly desires we are involved with, little sins that steal the place of Christ in our lives, that is standing in the way for him to be Lord over that area of your life? It stands there and blocks the way for Christ to come in and say, listen, I can fix this if you just let me in. But we, we don't. And we, and we let that sin stay, and God cannot have his full reign in your life. He cannot be Lord of all your life and what he wants to do. But I know in my time, when the Lord had begun to speak to me, and I began to spend these times with the Lord, and they became precious to me. And in that, I began to feel that my heart is becoming single. It's not divided. I begin to sense his the pleasure of just being in his presence. And being in his presence, I begin to see his beauty and how, who he is and what he can do for me. And I want to be in there. I, I am like that person in the Song of Solomon. I want no distractions. I make sure that when I wake up in the morning, I just go in there because I know that God is going to speak to me and he's going to speak into my life and he's going to change me. He opens his word to me. My faith grows strong. Now I know of the faithfulness of God. Now I can trust him more. I trust in his faithfulness. I lean in on his promises. You know, when I hear a promise in the word and and it's part of my life, I go to him. I say, Lord, this is what you said in your word. I know that you cannot lie. I will stand on that promise. And God God is happy when we do that, that we're trusting in him. It changes me and it changes my desires just by being in his presence. This is what happens when you come into his presence and you begin to have the single heart. Listen to what these promises says in God's word. His wisdom becomes my direction. His knowledge becomes my instruction. His power becomes my protection. His love is my comfort. His mercy, my consolation. And I like this one the best. His immutability, my trust. That immutability means he changes not. He loves us all the time. No matter what you are doing in your life, God is immutable. He doesn't change. He doesn't change his heart because the blood shed for all of your sins. He's just wanting you to release them, to catch the foxes and get rid of them so that God would have full reign in your life. We can call upon him with confidence that in seeking his intervention of power or love, whatever it is, we are simply asking him to do what he's already faithfully promised. It's all ours already. All we need to do is step into it and seek him for his power and his love, and these things happen. I see it in my own life, praying for people or praying for an illness. I see God coming in and just doing it. It builds up my faith, and I have these stepping stones of faith that I grow and grow and grow in him by being in his presence. Look at this psalm here. We've read this as a familiar psalm. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. You know what that word commit means? The word in the the Greek means 
to roll upon the Lord your day, your concerns of the day. If you are going, waking up in the morning, you take your day and say, Lord, I roll my day up on you, Lord. All my anxiety, all my stresses, and everything that you have for that day, I know that you will take care of it because I'm going to roll it up on you. I commit this to you. Then we trust in him, and then he will do it. Do we trust him? Do we commit our lives to him? Because when you do, God does amazing things. This committing is not a one and done deal. We wake up in the morning and we commit our life to the Lord. And sometimes that's not even a daily thing. Sometimes it's moment by moment, depending on what stressors and things come in. I have to remind myself, Lord, I, I know I've committed this to you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to stand in it. I know you're going to see it through. This committing. It's not like the covenant. When you come to know Christ as your Savior, the covenant is sealed. It's a one and done deal. Christ is yours and you are Christ. You belong to him. Now that you belong to him, now he is here to help you. And that's when we commit day by day, moment by moment into him. And this is the, the reason sometimes why we are not committed to the Lord. This is so precious to me, these words. You know, when Paul is speaking in Ephesians in the third chapter, he says this. I was chosen to preach the unfathomable riches of Christ. And then he goes on later on and he says, that you may comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that passes all understanding. Remember what Pete said that day? It was part of my sermon. He was stealing my words. i got to talk to him about that. Listen, I knew that. There's something. Why is it the word and at the end of breath, length, height, and depth? And to know the love of Christ. It's two separate things. Do you know when it's speaking about the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of Christ? It's talking about the effulgence of his glory. He is filled up with this brightness that we would partake of if we come into his presence he is so wonderful so big so great then he says that you may know the love of christ that passes understanding how do we fathom something that's unfathomable and how do we believe in something that's almost unbelievable how do you know that something that's beyond understanding you know what the secret is come into his presence and he will begin to reveal to you. He'll pull back the curtain and you'll see him in ways that you've never seen him before. Your life will be changed. You'll begin to see the unfathomable riches of Christ. You'll begin to see the love that passes all understanding. You will have strength to go through the day. And you know what? He changes your desires. Those little sins will be nothing. The things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I want to close with this. You know when... In uh, Genesis, in the seventh chapter, right before the flood is going to come, in the King James Version, God speaks these words. I love this version most of all. They're ready to go into the ark. And you know what God says to him? Come into the ark. He doesn't say go into the ark. He says come into the ark. You know why? He's in the ark. Come into the vineyard. Because I'm here. You know what's something? 
if you do have sin in your life and you've crossed the boundary and you've sinned and you have these little sins, in Isaiah in the 38th chapter, you know what it says? The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Then this next word, it says, therefore he waits on high to have compassion. Why is he waiting on high? He's waiting for us to ask for forgiveness. Lord, I've sinned against you. Then he has compassion on you. You know why? Because the last line in the scripture says, because the Lord is a God of justice. He doesn't sleep, slip, sweep your sins under the mat. They need to be dealt with. They were dealt with on the cross. God is wanting you to have an open heaven. He doesn't want a wall of separation between you and him. He wants you to understand that he loves you. He will take care of those sins. He'll take care of the little foxes. He's in the vineyard. Come into the vineyard. He will change you as he is changing me. My heart has become more single than it's ever been before. Your heart doesn't become single like that. It's a gradual thing he brings you into this singleness of heart, not divided, but singleness of heart. It takes a while. It takes a lifetime. But he sees your heart, and he sees that it's already done because you are moving in that direction. He desires to get rid of the foxes when you desire to get rid of the foxes. Do you have foxes? Is your heart divided? Come into the vineyard. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you want to meet with us. We are so thankful that you want to deliver us from these little foxes that seem to steal your place in our life. We thank you, Lord, that your power is there for us to be delivered from these things in our life. So, Lord, we offer up our day to you. We commit our lives to you this day that we can trust in you, Lord, and you will do it. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name.